Hi everyone, my name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. Thank you again for listening to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Um, before we dive into the episode, you can support this podcast financially through patreon.com slash queersounds. And if you want to support this show, not financially, just go ahead and tell a friend, that would be great. But without further ado... Originally from Ireland, currently residing in Stockholm, Sweden. It's. Um, do, do you want to introduce yourself by your stage name or your proper name? Annie, let's. Let's. I suppose we can just start with Jack. You can just call me Jack, first of all. Um, and I release music through the name uh, SNKT. Sankte. If you have a Swedish inflection. If not, then just the letters are fine. <laughs> and uh, my pronouns are he, she, they. Amazing. Anything, anything you want to call me? Yeah. All right, Jack. Thanks you. F- uh, thanks for coming on. Um, I wasn't aware it was pronounced Sankta. Um, I, 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 I would, I would have guessed just Sankt, because I mean, my language of my my knowledge of the Swedish language is um, minimal at best. But I th- is is Dutch in some way kind of related? Because when I hear a little bit, I'm like in the inflection at least a little kind of related. Some sort of it's Germanic anyway in one way. Right. Yeah, I mean it's Dutch. Um, the 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 consonants are uh, similar. We don't. It's it, the 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 Dutch word for saint is sint. Oh, that's way cooler. Maybe I should change my name. <laughs> uh, it's it's s. Um, so yeah, it's it's s i n t. With with the pronunciation of your of your stage name, I would have gone with the German word for saint, which I guess is close enough. Yeah, there's a big big influence there. Um, yeah, no, but without diving into your uh, stage name specifically, you're uh, building up to your first album coming out. Any nerves? Oh yes, yeah, very much a lot of nerves because I'm like. I'm like the, you know, the executive producer, the writer, you know. So it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of stuff on me. But like, it's something I love to do, and it's like, if I'm nervous, then it's a, a sign of, then I must really love doing it. You know, I'm really like excited and galvanized. I'm really like, like I'm just in in the zone now. So I'm like, like everything else in the world to me. Like, I can't think about, like, Corona. I'm like, no, I can't. No numbers. I just want to get these songs and go on it. But it is it is nerve-wracking. But it's, yeah, as I said, I love, it's something I love doing. And I can't, uh, I, no complaints. Anyway. <laughs> um, before we dive into the songs that you were, um, that, that you picked for this here show, um, I want to give you a little bit of time to, to plug your album. So when's it coming out? What's the title? What what can what what beans can you spill? So yeah, so the album is called No Saints, and that comes kind of going back to the artist's name being Saint and the origin the origin of that, which was when I moved to Stockholm like four years ago, I had to I was kind of basically just building up all of my work and kind of going into these like uh all of my past personal relationships and when you're writing about that you have to open a lot of wounds and stuff and I was realizing that no one was a saint in any of these situations even though I have the power as the writer and the producer of these songs to really look like you know like oh that guy kind of like 
was so bad and I was all right and you know but it wasn't the case at all like nobody was good in those situations um so it's a lot of like honesty in that and so the same comes from that and that's kind of like the tracks that I was working on then from the last few years that's two years now are kind of the amalgamation of me realizing like no one was good here but we can still write like write honestly and write kind of like put everything on the table when it comes to that and still like write this like pop record and like still use these musical influences that were really like inspiring me through that time um so that's with the album name no saints that will be now released in the latter part of may um all going well um hopefully now keep keep an eye out <laughs> for that and i'm just we're just going through like the mixing and mastering of stuff now so we're uh it's not too it's not too far off now at all so it'll be great keep an eye out um with that being said let's dive into not your own music but the music you brought to the table today yes first track you drive me crazy this top remix by uh, the one with the only britney spears yeah i was like this is like one of the one of the tracks that like i remember so well as a child it's like i have all these memories of like my my first memories and that is like there in that sphere um i just remember being like oh my god this is amazing like and not only did i just think it was amazing like i was learning the choreo i was doing everything like every inflection of that music video I knew I would borrow my mother's makeup stuff to do the part where she puts on makeup so they had no uh they had no qualms in the way I was going to go in my life right <laughs> personally <right>. professionally <laughs> so 
Um, why specifically uh, this this track, this this remix? Because you know, when you want to pick a hit, you've got a lot to choose from. Exactly. Like there are there are so many of other hits though, but th- this was just the one that like spoke to me as a child. Um, uh, I think like there's like the bridge does such a great build up and throw down and like choreography it's like everything it's everything good it's like it's such it's such like an la like um la pop music music industry thing like this is what's gonna sell and it did and it was like and a lot of the times it doesn't you know a lot of the time it's just like trying to sell things but this one was like such a a mega sensation and like britney has like gone through everything (laughs) really but like oh yeah yeah, absolutely of like all the spheres but imagine like imagine being that huge when you're like 17 18 like it's not it's not right really uh to put someone on that kind of pedestal but the music is fantastic yeah and we go into the like it comes to like you know max martin did that and produced that record and produced most of that first album actually i think or the I don't think it was our first first, but the first mainstream one. It, um, um, from what I from what I gathered, uh, it was from her first album uh, released nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, Baby um, One More Time. I'd, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this song in particular was actually recorded in Sweden. Yeah, exactly because the you drive me cra- there is a you drive me crazy, and that is the the first one, and there that is that was released, but then this remix. I think was done here with uh with Max Martin and the boys. Oh no, from what I from what I from what I gathered this this it wasn't just a remix like the original was also re- recorded in Sweden. Oh, the re- okay. I yeah, no, I I I uh, I yes. mean if we're gonna if we're if the opportunity presents itself to dive into like nerdy Swedish producer type of stuff, I'm going to do I'm I'm going to oh, go all that. the way. Like I um <laughs> I, I I looked at uh I, I looked at the the liner notes um recorded yeah. in the Chiron Studios in Stockholm it's got people like Jürgen Ellefsen on songwriting it's got yeah. David Kruger on keys and producing it's got Per Magnusson yeah. on producer and keys and then of course the one the only Max Martin on production i lived so close to that studio actually a few uh for the last two or three years here um at a place called it's it's near uh, freedom's plan in stockholm if anyone knows stockholm um it's um it's like but it's so funny because it's like a different thing now but it's such a like an odd part it's not like in the city really it's like it's in the city but it's like the the suburb part of the city and it's so like i was like it's just such a normal little place i'm like oh my god britney was there scream <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have get. I, I would have. I wouldn't have been surprised if you moved to Stockholm specifically to record in that studio. <laughs> the dream. My only claim to fame, though, really, is that the guy that like did the vocals for uh, the song "Lost in Love," like who I recorded with, did a lot of Westlife stuff. So he had a lot of like. Um, uh, he had like. <laughs> He likes stories about the boys, Brian McFadden. Jürgen, David and, and Per, who I mentioned previously, like Westlife was their big project. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. A, they did all of the songwriting and, and producing for them. So, you know, that's that's one step closer. Like if we're talking about you're you're technically like what? 
two handshakes removed from Max Martin exactly. at this point. Exactly. So <laughs> everyone has a good Max Martin story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what What was the first time you became aware of like Swedish producers in pop music? Like, obviously, we know the songs, but exactly. like the we stories the behind them. I think it must like. I'd say it was about. I think I must have discovered Robin. Um, and then I realized what she went through in her music career. And then I was like, oh my God. And then Max Martin, who did work with her, worked with that. And because um, there were so many different, like, huge music projects going on at the time of Britney that were from the same people that are still, like, household names and stuff now. Um, so I must have, I, I, that was about, I, I'd say late 2000s. Yeah. Like 2009, 2008. And from there, you became aware of the concept of a music producer. Did you dive into it or was the dream clear right away? It's like, okay, yes, I want to work with this person now. Yeah, like not re like not really. At that point then, it was just like, oh, that's interesting that like a lot of the really good stuff is coming from here, you know, Stockholm. And then, then I realized that music education there was like stunning, like really good. But at that time, when I realized that, I w it was more so like, a, oh, take no let's take note of that and let's go on and develop, still develop in in Ireland, you know, as a in music and theater and stuff. So take us through your musical development. You started listening to Britney. How how did the ball roll from there? Oh, the ball, the ball rolled. The ball was kicked. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, started listening to Britney, and in that time I was like um, in Ireland, like the regular thing. I was going through the Catholic school system, and in that I was doing a lot of like choir work in, like just in my school. Like you know, it wasn't really like mass every Sunday thing there. It was just in school, really. Um, I wasn't good enough for the one on Sunday. <laughs> no, when you check now, it wasn't really our our no our church. The one that we went to on Sundays was kind of more kind of a really small local one that. There was never really. It was only there was only choir singers on Christmas or something, something stupid. I wish I lived in like a, a parish where it was like every every time we went. But um, so it was mainly in school. But the funny thing is, I actually got a really good pop education in my Catholic, like school choir, because the teacher that was doing it, like instead of like it wasn't like gospel. Like we would do these like shows every year down in like a very big city to us at the time which was Cork which is the second biggest city in Ireland and every year the the school would go along with all other like a lot of other Catholic schools and like perform what they were doing during the year but everyone was unreal because the teacher would do like um, like ABBA as well as Michael Jackson and like we did a sister act thing once all right, so then. like I was like this is amazing like God's amazing <laughs> no but like we were doing ABBA I, we, were, we did Leonard Thank You for the Music which is still such a fucking sorry now can I swear I'm so sorry yeah sure yeah great thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> I never afraid. heard someone <laughs> express that much gratitude for being able to swear yeah. <laughs> because it's it's very much a big part of my vocabulary so I'm like apologies like sponsorship rights yeah no go, go for window. it <laughs> um um, but we yeah, so we were doing ABBA like uh, we did Gimme 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 which like is a song about wanting to get like you know have a good time but we were doing that in like a, a seven year old like choir group at a Catholic school like stunning so good and like Michael Jackson and you know 
I was just like, so that was then, so I was still quite young. And then I got into musical theatre as a teenager. And that was kind of like outside of a school system. So then I was really like, oh no, yeah, I'm gay. <laughs> I'm gay as <laughs> fuck. All right. So <laughs> y- y- you figured out your own queer identity based on the music you liked. It's like, oh wait, this is, this is a pattern. Exactly. Yeah. To- totally. Yeah. We were doing, we were doing like so much rent stuff and, you know, like I was just learning so much and I was in like, I was so lucky in the theater groups that I was in, which I still have a lot of like friends that are like still so close to me from then now um, that I was learning so much about myself. And I was like, this is amazing. And the work that was going on through there, we were doing a lot of like queer um, theater and just general like great musicals and like great songwriting and wonderful stuff and I was so lucky to be a part of that then because you know it kind of d- really depends on who who's teaching it but we had such like a strong group of people teaching it and that like weren't looking for anything less than very very good you know so I was like whoa like it's a step up and also an education so I was really lucky and then from that I was going into university and then I was getting into my own musical like what I love to listen to in music in pop music as well and I still have like this love of pop music like I never had like um I never had this idea that anything was low brow or high brow like it depended on if it was good or not and like I know a lot of people listen to pop music today and they're like you know it's not like in some way cultural or whatever like but there's like I try and stay out of a pretentious kind of way because I know working in pop music so long that there's a definite formula and a definite like way of being good in that formula that can be so stunning and so amazing that I that's the reason I'm still doing it now is like there's no there's no barrier being like this is this is good and this is bad you know it depends on how it's made right but the the creation of pop music through a formula that's that's also like typically max martin is that something that you picked up during your college years or was it just something that you um found out in your free time it's like the that's the the is that something you noticed through listening to a lot of pop music it's just from pop music really um when i was in college i was doing a lot of like uh other like cultural thing I studied like French and ancient history which was amazing but I didn't like not a lot of music other than like just regular proper theater and stuff um but I just learned this pop music um just learned from pop music through my free time and through listening with friends you know and just having a having a good time as well you know <laughs> maybe too much of a good time who knows <laughs> right um I don't think there is such a thing as having too much fun during your uni years so you know exactly but you that's t- that's what your uni years are for right but you know, um, if you if we're gonna talk about pop music in particular, like, do you even have a favorite song or artist that didn't make the cut for this episode? Oh my, I would say LG, um, Lady Gaga, amazing. When like like I like in the in the outline we have here, I wasn't able to fit her in there, but she was such a huge part of my growing up. And like in my teenage years and stuff and how you can do pop music in a way that it can be such an elevated kind of a thing like both visually like lyrically etc etc 
where I think we got me from the start with her was like okay like crazy outfits which I'm obsessed with you know I'm also like doing a lot of fashion as well but like just yeah her whole thing like it was like I was obsessed I was like this is so cool and like to still be able to write up do a pop record on top of that I was like oh dream like that's so cool like who's who's doing that and like you can still see that now like back then like people might have thrown her away and I was like no like it's really good but she's still like such an like a, a powerhouse in the music industry like and her albums are just awaited upon to see what's going on and also we have to talk about when we're talking about her she did um A Star Is Born and that movie whatever was great movie but the album to that was basically another LG album like it was stunning like those all there's a few like hits in there but then she also worked with DJ Whiteshadow who did a lot of her other stuff as well her uh, previous albums uh, art pop and etc so I'm like great great minds were put into that that um, I'm not entirely sure but did Lady Gaga at some point ever work together with Max Martin because that's not something he's particularly known for do you know what before Chromatica I don't think they did, but I know that he was on uh, Stupid Love, which was the first single off of Chromatica. And uh, that's, I was actually shocked to see that because I know they hadn't worked together and I didn't know what was the point or the reason of that. But, you know, I, like I'm sure she is such a, she, she goes such a certain way in albums and stuff and in writing that I was like, oh, maybe he just didn't fit into whatever. But, uh, but I know he did Stupid Love. And I was, I was actually like, whoa, this is the first time that they did it. Um, like, yeah, you need to uh, forgive me for not having my uh, Lady Gaga chronology uh, up to date. But when are when are we talking? <laughs> uh, so they it was this album now recently. So like it was released a year ago. Um, yeah, exactly. The first single off that album. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. No, I've listened to this album. I just the the title slipped me. I won't. I won't hold it against Johanna. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I mean, the best part of being a good and likable host is admitting your mistakes, right? Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of knowledge in knowing where you don't know. So I agree. All right. Um, is, um, I, I feel like there's a, there's a um, somewhat overlap in your fan diagrams. Like if, if there is like big pop productions, the theater and on the other hand, Swedish producers, like you're in the middle of that Venn diagram. How, 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 do you, how do you see that? That's a, good, um, that's a good assumption. Yeah. Something over the top, overly camp. Sidebar. Do you remember when the Met Gala did um, camp as their theme? I was so shocked like by how on camp everyone's dresses were or like suits and stuff. <laughs> I was like, this, like people need to like, explain to them what camp is. Like it's like... Like it's making fun of yourself and being fabulous, and I don't think I don't think a lot of people are ready to make fun of themselves. Which, me coming from self-deprecating Ireland, like that's what I was born to do. You know, that's that's me. Um, but I take I'd, it away. What 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 is camp to you? Camp to me. Okay, so we think of camp as like a a gay thing in in Ireland and in the UK. It's used as kind of a, a derogatory term towards gay people. Um, like oh he's very camped etc. Um, yeah no that's that's that that's basically how I know it like from the old timey acronym as like confirmed as male prostitute if I'm not mistaken but that's, exactly 
I don't know it any further than, than the actual cultural part yeah. of it because I don't know. Or like also kitsch as well. Kitsch is also a really fun design twerk, which is in the same family as camp. I would say personally, sound off in the comments if you don't don't agree. Um, yes, but, bring uh, it in. That uh, I love that audience participation. Exactly. <laughs> I love a good argument. I love a good debate. Um, but camp to me now is like making fun of yourself, being somewhat queer, um, theatrical, and irony in a way because like there needs to be some sort of like making maybe you're making fun of something but in a smart way like you know come on like let's get with the kids we weren't born yesterday <laughs> um uh, so that's what camp is to me what camp means to me this is like um, a presentation from my school of it i want to go to the <laughs> school um yeah, all right. I think it's about time we um, move on to track number two. Thinking About You by Frank oh Ocean off of the 2012 album Channel Orange. A tornado flew around my room before you came. Excuse the mess it made. It usually doesn't rain in Southern California, much like Arizona. My eyes don't shed tears, but body boy, when I'm thinking about you, who no no no. I've been thinking about you, you no no no. I've been thinking about you. Do you think about me still? Do you do you? Or do you not? memories um oh my god i love frank ocean so much he's such a legend yeah. yeah take it take it away when did you when did you first uh came about this track yeah so that was uh 2012 um 2012 it was very um it's like it's so fresh in my mind it was my last year of college um living with all my friends and like 
I hadn't really before this record I hadn't heard of Frank Ocean much at all um but then he released this and I was like oh my god like this is so good and the but the whole album as well like you got Pyramids and Lost and Super Rich Kids um with like oh no I think Super Rich Kids with Andre 3000 like such a you can tell it's kind of quite a label um it's quite a label based thing so he like did very well he was writing for a lot of people before that but when he released this record I was like oh my god but like also he got like recognition for this like from like the Grammys etc and he'd come out uh, as well so I was like oh my god what a legend but that track though uh, Thinking About You is like every time I hear it like and it's kind of it, it. some people might say it's overplayed now but like other <laughs> who's not overplayed if you're on this list you know Britney Spears etc so it still gives me the chills every time I hear it right um, sure. uh, um, and also when he performed it on SNL I believe um, John Mayer was on guitar but it was like such an like such an emotional performance I'm like oh, I love you <laughs> Yeah, isn't John Mayer also like credited on the album for doing some guitar parts? Yes, he is, yeah. So that was like even better for him to like actually come and play. You know, when you're when you're touring and stuff, you do, might not get to play with people like on the record. So it's like it was stunning, so stunning. Yeah. Do, what 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 are your experiences with Frank? Um. Well, to be honest, I never really got into Frank Ocean. I mean, I I started. Okay. Uh, listening to Frank Ocean around 20, uh, 2015 when when I became like aware of 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 his existence when when Frank Ocean entered my my musical bubble so to speak um, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah and um, at that point the reason I started listening I completely missed the entire queer story behind it but um, I was following a lot of music journalists on Twitter because I'm a nerd like that. And um, of course, go for it. They uh, started actually kind of complaining about Frank Ocean. It's like, okay, new music coming up. No new music coming up. Like we were talking like the fall of 2015, spring 2016. So you know, around the time. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember that. I mean, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Around the time like Blonde was being teased, but also like not, and all of a sudden it was there. And yeah, um, like the people in my uh, Twitter bubble, they were like, "Okay, what kind of Frank? Uh, what what kind of a cat and mouse game are you playing here, Frank? We're kind of we're kind of over the hype now." Um, um, I was recently uh, playing like a little bit of a pop quiz on uh, with with some of my friends. Yeah. And I got asked the question, okay, pick one, um, Frank Ocean or R.E.M. And I picked R.E.M. and people did not like me for that. Um, oh my God. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Frank Ocean. I'm sorry. But like, no one's, I'm not going to tell you who to, like, who do you prefer and expect you to pick my one, you know? It's like, it's a personal thing. So I know what you mean. Yeah, no, they weren't mean about it. They were just very surprised. Um, it's like okay, you've got this. You've got this one cool uh, um, experimental artist who is like breaking queer boundaries and 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 what 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 not. And you dare pick a stuffy white <laughs> rock band? 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, white rock band. And I mean, <laughs> although I, yeah, they were cool. They were relevant in like the '80s and '90s, and they're still like they've got the most amazing, beautiful pop tunes. But um, I didn't expect to be talking about REM today, by the way. But you know, oh my um, god, no! Bring it, bring it up. Everything's on the table. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I um. And what's your relationship with REM? I'm gonna chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh, I'm I'm gonna play bad cop and say I'm the one asking the questions here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, let's 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 bring this back to you and your uh, and your queer experience because you know you mentioned that you uh, became aware of your queer identity through the music you listened to. Was Frank Ocean a part of that? Um, no, actually, uh, he wasn't. I I discovered him quite after when I was like very much uh, into my own skin, really. Um, when I I it came to me when I was like around puberty. Um, when it like when you start growing into yourself, and I was like, oh no, this is this is who I am. And I was like, I was so lucky in that I was in Ireland in this like Catholic system, but I came like I was able to come out when like in my teens you know um without like much much to do about nothing really it was like everyone was very accepting i was but i was also doing a lot of theater and stuff so my, like my group was there um but even in school and stuff people were like really open and right n- no one gave me a hard time other than the younger people or whatever like it doesn't really count um but i was i was super lucky and so i've been able to like very much be my authentic self since I remember, since I was, you know, um, without, like, so, and I think, was there any artist that, like, inspired me then, in that time? I think, like, like, Lady Gaga helped me a lot, right. like, when I was, she was really cool and really openly with the gay, gay commu- community then, and this was way before Born This Way and stuff, like, right. know, this was just her being like, gays are fun, <laughs> I was like, I love that. Um, you know the way people people would talk in the late two thousands, like yeah, people people listening <laughs> um, to Poker yeah. Face without you know the awareness that this that the song was about bisexuality and stuff like that. Yeah, when exactly. people still assumed Lady Gaga yeah. was straight. Um, exactly. Does exactly. music influence the way you experience gender? In a way, it does actually. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question actually, because I think. I took a lot of influence from The Knife as well, a Swedish band. And one of their things that they're known for really is the female voice singing was always distorted into a male voice or most of the time distorted to a male voice. And they were talking a lot about feminist politics then at the time in Sweden, and which is so interesting. And then when you realize when you're listening, you think you speak like just listening to a a uh, gent speaking and then you've realized it's a woman and that they were making a uh, a point on that i think there is so much you can do with the technology that you're that we're speaking through right now through microphones and through software and distortion to play on gender um that i think is so interesting and so cool that i'm like oh it's like so interesting actually yeah yeah it's very uh like it's a it's a common thread in it like when um uh trans artists in particular like using the voice or um folk vocal effects to like distort that 
Like it's uh I've I've talked about this on other episodes as well. Like that's that's one thing trans artists or queer artists seem to do was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this technology and use it to make my gender even more ambiguous. Definitely. Yeah, that's so like it's so interesting and so it's really it's groundbreaking really for like for this generation of music music makers and it's stunning and I I love to have more of that. Do you also apply it to your own songwriting? You know, that's like one of the reasons I chose to have a name which was like SNKT which is very like gender unambiguous. Um, where you can like, kind of play with that and I've done like drag before and like drag makeup and etc um, from a few years ago and stuff I, I'd love to be able to play with that in in my own thing because I myself like I identify really kind of like as with everything really I love to I love to play with gender um, in my own way which is something that like I really want to go on for and that's the main reason I did this like uh, SNKT thing I don't want to be just my uh, my birth name in songwriting and stuff but I'd love to I'd love to explore that more actually um, so it's not like um, you, you're able to be like going on to specific uh, musicological songwriting formulas in which then you add an extra layer of gender ambiguity if there even is a way to gender songwriting exactly yeah because like i think i base most of my songwriting on albums that i'm working towards and there might be a certain album that i want to do which would like make me need to go in and out of everything so that's like uh, yeah that's the way i've been looking at it and what i there are like the possibilities are endless really with this kind of with this idea um i'm gonna guess that lyrically on your album your queer identity is uh like unavoidable uh, yeah what are what are some Big of time. your favorite nuggets that you can that you can spill already so nuggets as in like the yeah, ex examples of the way your queerness is present in your music oh totally yeah so like I think it's it's kind of interesting because I write a lot of so in from my perspective I have like I'm writing a lot towards these gentlemen that I have um courted <laughs> no the, that I've been together with so we got like uh so lost in love that was quite very much towards this guy And I think in, in the song that I'm like recording right now, like when I get off this call, I'm going back to recording it. Um, there's a lot of like uh, speak of, in the chorus says it's like man. So we got a, we got a boy thing. Cause like when I write, it's either if it's, if it's for a universal kind of feeling, then we'll try and stay away from being like going into the gender affiliations of that person or gender affiliations i sound like i'm like um a professor <laughs> the gender identity i could no. be <laughs> no my uh, my I mean, lectures we tell all, you a different story <laughs> aren't we all the professors of our own gender oh my god that's the next album title write that down 
I mean, in, in some cases, gender is as complicated that it might as well take us a PhD to figure it out. Yeah, I'd love, like, I'd love to. I'd actually, like, there's a really good um, gender studies course in Stockholm University, I think, that I was like, oh, I really want to do that. Do you, do you experience gender in Sweden differently than you did in Ireland? I, th- I think so. Like, they are very, they're, they're quite similar worlds in a lot of senses but I think in Sweden it's just more it's just more like level where everyone is like very on the same page with everything regardless of how you identify um in Ireland it's a bit more it's less nuanced in that like we have these roles and whatever but you could say that but like there are also other crossovers between the two that I'm like it's better in Sweden than it is in Ireland I think just in in Sweden they're more educated on this subject particularly um in Ireland that it's just less right but I think that's like one of the things I'm really happy about now seeing that it's from here in Sweden I can see it's the conversation is going on a lot more in Ireland and now I haven't lived in Ireland in four years so every a lot of things can happen in those times and you know everything moves so quickly nowadays that I, I imagine it would be a lot different if I were to move back. You're talking about it in very broad, general terms. Are there any um, specifics about it, the way people interact with you personally? Yeah, like, you know, like, I remember when I was on like, this job interview um, recently, or not recently, a, while, a good while ago, for um, in a thing in Dublin, And they were like, you know, yeah, like um, I had this lady on a call and she was like, oh, yeah. And we um, we bought like for Christmas, this guy came around and he picked up his thing because he wasn't around during Christmas. And uh, he picked up his beers because we got these cocktails for the girls and all the beers for the boys. I was like, oh, Jesus, like I haven't heard that in a while. Like, you know, (laughs) like, like, you know, like really kind of like this is what you get as a boy and this is what you get as a girl. You know, I'm like, like, come on. And this is like a big company, you know. Like, I was like, fucking hell, you know. I'm like, I hadn't heard that kind of, like, talk in, like, a long time. <laughs> I was like, oof. Um, so that's just one very small example that I personally experienced. Um, but, you know, like, living in Sweden for this year and I'm working, like, kind of, like, all over the place, like, it's everyone, it's, everyone is just the same here, you know. It's, like, not, it's not a thing. It's nothing is, nothing is gendered, really. To what I see, right? Um, Especially with clothes, and it's a lot easier to buy like feminine clothes here, as me I I, I found, than it was in Ireland. That's another right. like little small thing. Um, uh, speaking of more uh, Swedish products, so to speak, um, Robin Honey, two Breath it whispers your name is like a rose on the pavement. 
life experience, your best concert experience. Yes. Oh my God. Take us there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This is so good. Oh, if like if anything, if anyone should take anything from this podcast, I would say take that. You sh- if and if anytime Robin is playing somewhere, go see her because it is such a good show. It is so much fun. Um, this was London 2018. Um, I was still living in Sweden and I took a friend from here and we went down to see her in London and my friends from Ireland came over to London and I had also some friends from Brighton that came up. It was a a lovely time, lovely, great night. But also, you know, I think like these wonderful experiences are painted by also by the people you're with and these were like my best, best friends, like who, I love them so much. Um... But we went to see Robin, who we all are like obsessed with, and she played in I think it was the Alexander Palace in London, and it was just one of those shows, you know, where I was like, I was, I was like, I was only like a little drunk, but it was a very euphoric state of like, oh my god, this is such a such an amazing experience, um, and the single at the time from that album, the first one was Honey, um such a good record I believe um, Klaus, Al- I Klaus Oland Klaus Oland produced that with her and he had also done like Dancing on My Own and he'd also done a lot of her other previous work and Klaus Oland himself is like a very like high up in the music industry in general like he's doing a lot of like um, of the Katy Perry stuff and the etc etc um, another kind of like Swedish genius um, but he did that with her and the whole the whole record is amazing. I've got another shameful musical confession to make. Go on. I was at a festival in 2019. In where now? Uh, um, in 2019. Um, oh, 2019. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could have seen Robin live, but I didn't. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what 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 did you do instead? Did you do anything more fun, or what? Um, so, you know, the, the, the timetable, um, made it possible to see, uh, Robin and the artist playing after that, but, you know, running from stages. So it was either seeing two artists, um, like kind of half-assedly, um, like stuck in the back of a crowd, but instead we decided to stay, stick around at the main stage and be front and center at Janelle Monet. So I feel like my decision is justified. Oh, that's amazing. Of course. Yeah, Janelle Monáe is stunning. Oh, my God. Oh, like, I don't think you should be... You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be sad for missing Robin because Janelle Monáe in her, in her own right is amazing. So, like, if only you, if only you could do both. <laughs> yeah, but still, I'm, I'm, I, really, I really resent uh, the way they made the, the, the timetable here. Like, I, I, I still... I regret missing... Oh mi- having missed Robin. Um, I, I, I know I made the right choice given yeah. the situation, but, but yeah, you, um, you, you came about Robin also because of a Max Martin production. Um, though this, this one isn't. Um, and this one isn't, no. Yeah, no. Do you uh do you personally uh 
hear the difference. Like, obviously, there is a specific Max Martin touch that's sometimes undeniable. But um, how how would you describe the differences between uh, Max Martin and non-Max Martin Robin? Interesting. I would say I can just you can just feel there's so much more of Robin in a in a track that's not with Robin because you can really hear it on um, on Body Talk, which is the album. I believe the pro the first big album before Honey, um, you can hear it on that. So yeah. the dancing on my own is there and stuff. But the song that she did with Max Martin on that album was called Time Machine. And when you listen to that um, track, when you're going through like dancing on my own, call your girlfriend, you have Time Machine, then you can hear like this is a really good song, a really good pop song, like structure everything, but it just it doesn't really fit in with this amalg like this huge great track list of body talk personally now people can Robin can even like come for me and say like like shut up like who, what do I know but like you can you know <laughs> you can hear that this is like going back to at like before the Robin became like the Robin we know now um so you can hear it also on the early records um from like Show Me Love from like the late 90s um, which is like such a, it's, it is a, mask, a Max Martin classic um, you have that there and then she got she did a few more records on that label she got dropped because she wasn't like delivering what they wanted and right. they were like no thanks and like she she sent them um, she sent them a track which is called Who's That Girl And it does end up on Robin's first independent uh, independent album from Robin. And they said, they were like, no, thanks. Like, Who's That Girl, was, which was also produced by The Knife. They were like, no, you can't do this. And then she left the label and made her own label, made her, did the first album. And that's when you can hear Robin getting into, like, Robin being the one that she wanted instead of, like, the industry thing. Which I think, to me, is such, is so, like, Is, it is so brave really because when you're in that in that area and she had already had a few hits by then like and you're leaving that and you're like you've nowhere else to go and you have to kind of start from nothing um but luckily enough she was able to do that with her talent and writing right yeah so um like the way you look up to the way you look up to her like it's it sounds like something about being stubborn artistic integrity um l really trying to achieve your goals um is that something you apply to your own music as well definitely yes exactly i was like big time i was doing like i was in talks with these people down in germany and stuff and they were like okay you got to do this and you got to do this but you got to take away this and i was like no but like i'm not gonna this is what i built me on so far And I think it's I think it's worth it really in the end. Like, um, uh, but like I really do believe that like if you're gonna like do music in the way that you want, like go for it. And if you don't want to like if you want to if you want to bend your your way, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna like look down on anyone that does anything for um, an industry. I think that's actually a really bad way of looking at it. But for me personally, like the music that I want to put out is very close to me and like what I want to put out. And like I've been so excited with this record really because it's like 
they're really tracks that I really want to put out and I've got like I've been able to work with great people that I want to instead of having to work with these people and having to put out certain records so Robin is really much um, is very much a someone I look up to in in that regard are there ways you feel like you're taking um, very big risks with your album in a way actually yeah because I'm doing a lot of like I'm doing a lot of subjects that I don't hear on the radio like um, in this kind of regard also with um, with the certain instruments I'm like that's not what's the thing today it's not what the TikTok people are doing I mean you're, you're saying certain songs certain instruments be more specific like what kind of weird French horn are you pulling in yeah <laughs> because I, I think I don't know is that the direction like uh, I don't know dance pop to a harpsichord is, is that the direction <laughs> we're supposed to think in so I think exactly I'm doing actually a lot this one I actually have some like acoustic elements in it as well which for me is very much an evolution of uh, of what I'm doing um, usually which is very much just like synth pop stuff so there's like there's an acoustic element there there's like uh, there's like this 80s um, slowed down version which like the, the backing track that is like out of this world and like it's like so cool and like still like, there are still elements of pop and stuff but I was told by people like you know like by industry people like uh, you know we're not gonna really do that it's not the it's not the audience we're going for I'm like fuck you like it's amazing it sounds so cool um, so if something sounds really cool to me I'm like no uh, we're gonna be keeping this so but that's like uh, like I've been like writing like for like friends and stuff and if they wanted some some tracks or whatever I would just help them with that and that's whatever if they if they have that opinion then it's like it's no stress but when it's like the things that I'm going to do and I'm going to put in it's going to be my face on it I'm like it's going to be what I want yeah no it's uh, I actually read something the other day um in in the guardian there was a piece written by uh Benny from from ABBA who was like well the music ah, industry so cool. uh has changed since you know 1974 which uh basically punishes young artists for taking any risks and you know if we would we wouldn't have been able to um prevent risks from having habit uh, ha- happening the way Spotify does now Waterloo never wouldn't uh, would have become a thing so um Spotify allow young artists that's should really cool. Spotify should allow young artists to make uh, to take risks again that's a really good point very much so like you really either fit into a fit into a really strict guideline or you don't and that's really what it is now but hey finishing off with with a uh, with a fun anecdote you actually met the other guy from abba yes oh my god yeah how did that happen <laughs> mr ulveus himself yeah like um so cool i have a really good friend here in stockholm um mark levengood and he works with unicef and he had like a gig on that 
also called for uh, Bjorn to be there and he was like oh my god you gotta come here really quickly you're gonna you can meet him if you want I was like oh my god so I like I dropped everything I was like okay fuck fuck everything bye <laughs> I'm I'm out and then I went to went there and uh, was brought up and I was I met him and like usually with like over in Sweden like when I meet famous people I usually don't know who they are because it's a di- totally different world to where I knew in Ireland so like I've met these famous people and they're like oh my god like do you know who that was? I was like, no, babe. Like, whatever. Is there wine somewhere? <laughs> um, <laughs> Good um, to hear you've got your priorities figured out. Exactly. <laughs> but like uh, with uh, with Bjorn, I met up and I was like, I didn't even was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I love you so much. I love your work. You're amazing. You've been such an <laughs> like inspiration to me. And he was like, oh, hey, <laughs> um, nice to meet you. <laughs> I like, I can't be cool. Like, I can't be cool at all in those situations. I'm like, you're amazing. Goodbye. Thank you so he much. He looks like the kind of guy that if you introduce yourself to him, it's like walk up to him and it's like, hi, I'm Jack and you've been a great inspiration to me. And then Bjorn is like, hi, my name is Bjorn. And it's like, yes, we fucking Yeah, know. exactly. He's a, he's a total legend. Total legend. And he was so sweet as well. And I was like, oh, got a picture with him. I was like, and like, I feel so embarrassed doing that with people. Like, if I've met like other people other famous people but I'm never like can I take a picture with you I don't want to I don't ever want to be the annoying person you know that's like but with him I was like I don't give a shit this is like my time to meet Abba fuck this fuck all my social cues I would have done the same (laughs) this is you've you've done the right thing you've done the right thing All right. so before we sign off um, your the last track for today your uh, your own single Lost in Love what do you have to say about that? Oh my god, yeah, that was um, I was like, that was such a relief to write that song because I last year uh, with Corona, I got Corona, but I got a very light dose, and I kind of like got out, like you know when you lose your tape and smell, et cetera, et cetera. But after a month, I was getting like this brain fog, and I was like, oh my god, maybe I just won't be able to write songs again, and that's the end, that's whatever. But then I like a week later, after a month of having Corona, like, or I only had it for a, a week or two, and then a month later, I was still experiencing like some symptoms, and then after that, I was able to get back in and work on this track, which is Lost in Love, and I was like, no, bitch, we got it, like we're still doing it, like we're still doing pop tunes, um. So that was my story with it. It's about like, you know, this little demi relationship that I was going through, which to the outsider was like, no, you weren't even in a relationship. But to me, it was. I feel everything very strongly all the time. And uh, it was just uh, an amalgamation of emotions. And, you know, it was summer as well. You know, I feel everything way more strongly when it's summer and bright out that it was just it, it all came. And I was so happy. I was like, I still love dancing that that little tune, that hook. It's an it's an upbeat little thing that I'm not used to, uh, not used to really writing. But when I get into it, I love it. I love like dancing around. When you wrote it, was it clear that it would become the the lead single? It was, yeah, it was. I was like, when I when I got I, during production of it, I was like, no, this is this will be the one, and then everything else before and after I've done, I will uh, I will do again. It was uh it was divine. Right. Divine. We've got a lot more to talk about, but we've been recording for quite a while, so let's call it here. Um thank you so much for coming on, Jack. Um Oh my god, thank you, Hannah. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. It was great. Such a great time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lovely conversation. I had fun. Um, so um, to you, dear listener, um, check out Jack's album as soon as it's out coming up. If you're listening to this on April 26th, when, it's, uh, when this episode is coming out, it will be another month until the album. So keep your eyes out. Um, uh, yeah, with that, this has been queer sounds thanks so much for listening again you can financially support the show on patreon.com slash queer sounds uh you can get access to our uh, discord server uh you get uh you can get a set of stickers which is always something fun to vandalize your town with um <laughs> check us out oh my god i i need to apply for those stickers actually i would i Sorry, you're doing your intro, but I'm like, I would like the stickers, please. Yeah, sure. When you we transfer over your 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 uh, your voice track, then just uh, include your postal address, and we'll we'll figure it out. So yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter. That's Queer Sounds Pod. Uh, same handle on Instagram. Um, and again, if you enjoy this show, tell a friend. And above all, thanks again for listening. Could never be all you need